Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Russell says he'll be enforcing for another year. And still, there's no TV deal done. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Russell Ingle has announced that he is making 2013 his final full-time season in V8 Supercars. After 18 years in the series, one title and two Bathurst victories, it will be his last as the lead driver. Cartoonist John Stoneham at Stoney is happy that Russell will be going on for another year. I just think the blokes these days are too pretty. Thank God for Russell Ingle. I mean, dear old Russell, you know, I could draw Russell blindfolded. He looks like he's done about four rounds with Danny Green. And he's got a great face, Russell. I can understand why Super Cheap use him in their ads. He's just got one of those rubber faces, you know, fantastic. But all the other guys... I mean, crikey, they're all so pretty. The media rights have still not been announced for V8 supercars. With the end of the year approaching, the series is at a crossroad with the car of the future to be debuted and new manufacturers on the grid. This week, V8 supercars launched their new non-Big Pond website. The question remains, when will V8 supercars release the details of how the series will be shown and what shape its mobile and online strategies will take in the years ahead. If you're planning to go to Tasmania for the V8s next year, V8 Supercars is offering two tickets for the price of one to the Apple Isle's biggest sporting event of the year. To take up the offer, you need to purchase your tickets before Christmas Eve. Jamie Wincup had a solid debut on the international stage at the Race of Champions. The V8 champ joined Mick Dorm in Team Australia and made it past the group stages until knocked out of the competition by Michael Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel. In the individual races, Wincup was unable to make it past the group stage, but still a credible performance in his first visit to the Champions of Champions series. And finally, the latest edition of V8X magazine is now available. You can find it in stores and online through the Mag Store for, of course, the iPod edition. And that's the news for No Brack Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com. Dot com dot au. That's nobrack.com.au. On this week's White Flag Lap, brought to you by Fujitsu, Australia's leading air, we start a three-part interview with Roland Dane on the Vodafone years and beyond. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. 
take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, a new voice on the V8 Insiders, Samantha Reid, the Kelly Racing Test Driver. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Craig. Looking forward to it. And I'm sure he'll be very gentle on you. Lachlan Mansell, the voice of Winton, of course, which is the home test track of Kelly Racing. Good evening, Samantha. Good evening, Craig. Guys, an interesting time of year when we get to wind down. Of course, Kelly Racing has to wait till the 31st of December to tell us that Robinson Caruso and uh, and James Moffat are going to be driving their cars, Lachlan. But it, it is has got that sort of lull to it that we're really expecting a lot, but we haven't been able to tell it officially yet. Yeah, obviously we contractual obligations that drivers have with their current teams and sponsors. They're often in a position where they can't make any official announcements until the start of the new year. And then when the announcements do happen, they're often quite an anti-climax, aren't they? Because everybody already knows the news because it's been so widely reported in the media. So, um, you know, in that respect, it's really just waiting for confirmation of what we all already know is going to happen. Samantha, as a, as a driver, do you want a calendar year contract or should you have a season contract? Look, I think it keeps it really interesting actually having a bit of variety down pit lane because it means that there is sort of that speculation period where you know some, pe- some drivers and teams are reviewing their sponsorship, some of them are announcing new ones and it, it sort of means that we've always got something to talk about and I think that's really important for our fans to keep them interested in the sport as well. But it does mean you have this period from the last race to January 1 where certainly us in the media have a pretty good idea of what's going on but you know and, and we speculate it and eventually you you launch it and you go yeah yeah I knew that someone said that to me a couple of months ago yeah absolutely and, and look as Lachlan said anti-climax is right but at the same time you know Sometimes it buys uh, the teams and the sponsors a bit of time to really put the time and effort into a proper media launch to, to make it a bit more exciting and at least provide an opportunity for the fans to get a bit more hands-on involved with those sorts of events. Mm. Well, Samantha, you've learnt the first thing about the Van Insiders. Even though I told you the topics, we haven't got to any of them yet. We will do that <laughs> now. It's the best of 2012, Lockie. What was your highlight? Um, well, obviously, Winton was a big highlight for me um, from a personal perspective. Getting to commentate V8 supercar races is always pretty special. And they were good races as well, particularly the Sunday race where Jamie Winkup had to come back through the field after that drive-through penalty, having his wheels being in pit lane and, and got back to finish that race in third position. But I think looking at a more overall series perspective, very difficult to go past Bathurst because that really was an epic race with that classic 
grandstand finish with David Reynolds chasing Jamie Winkup all the way to the chequered flag. Samantha, do you see races like Bathurst and what we now have as a contrived finish because of the safety car, or you just see that it's now part of racing and the the old days, as uh, some people like to reminisce, were never that good? Yeah, look, I, I don't think it, the safety car periods were on the race. For me, I find that it, it makes it a whole lot more interesting. If you look at back at 2012 and certainly some of the seasons uh, leading up, without some of those safety cars, the races would have been pretty, pretty boring, you know. We get someone out in front and without those opportunities for the rest of the field to get up nice and close, it, it starts to become a boring watch. And the sport is very much about the spectators. I've talked a lot about that already on this show, but I think that they're an important part. So... It keeps it interesting. It means that the teams are working to a degree twice as hard on the strategy side of things because, you know, the drivers are working really hard on managing their tyres. Certainly the fuel consumption has been very important this year. In my opinion, the fuel consumption certainly played too big a role in this year's racing. Uh, and the safety cars just provide that, that sort of bit of, you know, no one knows how they're going to play out. So it's not like, you know, one of the teams has, has got the upper hand with performance of engines or, or vehicle dynamics. It really comes down to just what happens on the day and how the racing pans out. Mm. Well, what was your 2012 highlight then? Uh, I actually have to agree with Lachlan. I think that the Bathurst finish was very, very impressive. Uh, for me, sort of behind the scenes and, and following the V8s around to a lot of the events, I really uh, admired how hard the teams worked uh, this year to not only run the cars that they were obviously competing in the, in the 2012 championship, but not how much work these teams had going on in the background. I think it, it was pretty obvious to, to look at a lot of the teams down pit lane and see them starting to, to tire this year. And it's something that we've never seen in V8 supercars before, but to see the camaraderie, you know, a team like Triple Eight who had such a dominating season and yet each and every race to see the smiles on their faces and the genuine joy and, and passion for the sport that they had. Uh, I think that was a highlight at almost every round, regardless of which team it was, to see the excitement uh, of the crew and of the fans is something special. Mm. Now, Lockie, the pit lane order has come out. I guess it gets us a story for a day, but what does it really mean and who cares? Well, there is, when you think about it, there is actually an advantage of being at the opposite end of pit lanes where the pit entry is because when you come in for a pit stop, the only cars that you have to give way to when you merge back into the fast lane are the cars that have already made pit stops, whereas if you're close to the entries of pit lane, you have to give way to cars that are coming off the racetrack into pit lane and that are still actually yet to pull into their pit bay and complete their pit stop. So the advantage of being closer to the end of pit lane is that it's less likely that you'll have to give way to cars. So I suppose that's the advantage, but, you know, in the real world it's probably not a massive advantage, you know, it's only sort of in those safety car situations when everybody comes into the pits all at once that, you know, you're probably likely to gain anything from being down the end of pit lane. And the other interesting thing as well, just to add to that too, is that I think probably what I found more interesting out of the pit lane order announcement was to see which teams were sharing with which other teams because obviously with the three car teams... Um, one of the cars from each of those teams have to share a pit boom. So, for example, Stone Brothers Racing 
um, Erebus with the Mercedes. They're going to be sharing Brad Jones racings next year. And that was critical, wasn't it, Samantha? Because often David Reynolds' race weekend was ruined by the shared pit boom. Absolutely. It's a very valid point, and that's probably, uh, I suppose, the most important part of of seeing that pit lane order come out. And, and, you know, it relies on those teams working very closely together, and, you know, you you never know where you're going to play out, and each year that's going to be very different, Uh, you know, Having said that, we actually saw someone like Craig Lowndes was probably in one of the worst positions all year in terms of luck uh, with his pit stops and having to, to double park uh, several times throughout the year. So it's not just a problem with the with the, the paired teams, but it is certainly something that, that does play into some of the races. And again, I think it helps to keep the sport interesting. I think it's also interesting actually looking at the list to see how the teams played out in terms of their overall performance. As we know, it's not judged on uh, the best team performances, but actually the worst uh, REC license performances. So, uh, And there is actually one other advantage I could see in being a bit further down pit lane, and that's for those last-minute pit stops, which, again, don't happen particularly often. But despite all the crews making all the best efforts to be ready and prepared and be set up out the front, every now and again we do have that last-minute safety car, and we've got crews diving into pit lane, and... You know, if there's 15 extra seconds up somebody's sleeve that they uh, have as the car travels down pit lane while they can set up their guys, I think that certainly can be an advantage in Mm. some cases. Of course, 2013 won't have the the mandatory fuel stops. So is that going to lessen the role of the guys down pit lane, Samantha? I think so. I think it's moved personally to, to lessen the role of the fuel, we, that we saw too much sort of fuel strategy going on and, and not enough hard and fast racing, which is everyone's there to see. So it is going to change the way pit lane operates. But, you know, I think that there's going to be enough of a variation that we it still keeps it interesting. It's going to keep the te- teams almost on their toes because each and every round is, is going to be very different from the, the previous round. So uh, I, I think it's a good thing. It'll be interesting to see how it actually plays out in reality. Often we have these great ideas and we put them into practice and they don't quite work out the, the way we perhaps anticipated. Is now, Lockie, that there's so many different formats that for the casual observer... They're just going to be so confused, they're just going to go, oh, bugger this, I'll keep on the football. Yeah, I noticed that you and Adrian Mussolino and Tom Worsley had a good discussion about this on last week's V8 Insiders episode as well. And I think I agree with everything that they said. The fact is that it probably has been overcomplicated a bit. Um, just one of the, the things is that there won't be refueling in a lot of the races next year, but I still think tyre strategy is going to come into it because... Having a look at the tyre allocations for each of the events next year, there's a return to several rounds that are only going to use soft compound tyres. And I think that 120 kilometres in some of the races is a long way to go on a single set of soft compound tyres. So while there might not be fuel strategy anymore, I still think there'll be a fair bit of tyre strategy involved. That's not necessarily a bad thing because we've seen particularly in Formula 1 over the last couple of seasons that... uh, tyre strategies actually produced really entertaining and unpredictable racing. So if that can translate to the V8 supercars, then might make it quite interesting. Mm. Well, we need to take I a... Couldn't b- agree. Sorry? Sorry, I was just going to say, I couldn't agree more with Lachlan in terms of the tyre strategy. I think that 
that that's certainly something that's adding. Perhaps the fuel strategy side of it is making it a bit complicated, but but the use of tyres and the way the tyres have been uh, degrading over the year in terms of that soft compound, each and every track is very different, so that's certainly going to make for some interesting racing. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the Vad Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where Samantha Reid and Lachlan Mansell join me, Craig Ravel. And uh, guys, what did you think of Jamie Wincup's Race of Champions debut over there in Bangkok. Lockie? Um, I thought that it was probably to be expected. He was up against a lot of competitors who had already previously experienced a lot of the different types of cars that they use in the Race of Champions. And let's keep in mind that most of the cars that they do run over there are absolutely nothing like V8 supercars at all. They've got some, I think, front-wheel drive cars, um... They even had some buggies or some off-road type vehicles as well. Probably about the closest thing to a V8 supercar was the Audi R8 GT car, and even that bears a little resemblance to a V8 supercar. So I think Wind Cup won one of the events, but to see him not really progress very far into the competition, probably not too much of a surprise given the calibre of the drivers that he was up against, the likes of Sebastian Vettel, Roman Grosjean. You know, those people with a lot of international racing experience. So he certainly didn't disgrace himself, though, and hopefully if he gets an invite back next year, he'll be able to progress a bit further into competition. Sam, I guess those sort of races are like a go-kart race where everything's equal. It's all about you adapting to the car and the track. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's one of the big talents of a lot of our motorsport uh, drivers out there. And, you know, motorsport is, is a big word. It encompasses a huge number of disciplines and types of driving styles. And it is about how, how quickly these guys can adapt. But we all know that, that practice is a big part of that. And, you know, what an opportunity for, for Jamie Winkup. I'm sure he was nervous and, and as competitive as all get up going over there but at the same time I bet he was pretty excited to, to have the opportunity to, to jump in such a, a huge and wide calibre of cars as Lachlan said you know we had Toyota GT86s through to you know buggies and the like it's a pretty interesting concept and I uh, certainly think it would as a good experience for him as Lachlan says I'm sure if, if Jamie was given the opportunity to head across again next year mm. uh, the, the knowledge he would have gained this year will have been are so valuable and I also found it interesting that they actually take their team members across to that particular event so there was 30 odd team members that followed Jamie across there and got to experience that which I think is good for motorsport around the world. Mm. Of course uh, we're going to see next year Lockie NASCAR take the Craftsman trucks to Eldora Speedway it'll be the first time in I think about 40 or 50 oh, 40 years that they've raced on dirt do we need to perhaps do something like that? Get the real change up. Either go for a stadium or go for a speedway. It doesn't have to be dirt, even an asphalt one. 
Oh, I suppose they could. If they could get Calder Park Speedway back into uh, good condition, then I suppose that they could race V8 supercars around there. I, I'm actually really interested to get Samantha's thoughts on this one. How do you think that V8 supercars in their current classification would go on an oval? <laughs> I, uh, that would be something to see, actually. It'd certainly attract a crowd, wouldn't it? Uh, I... You know, we'd need some uh, pretty interesting tyre choices. That'd certainly get the engineer's head in a spin. <laughs> but hey, add something in there. Me, personally, I quite like the clean stuff on the bitumen, but uh, throw a bit of dirt, get them around a circuit, and why not? I, I asked Richard Petty the question about their um, NASCAR and I was talking about the cup cars racing on the dirt and of course he won many races on on dirt and shellac surfaces and he said yeah it'd be great I'd love to see it just I wouldn't want to have to pay the repair bills and uh, (laughs) I thought that was a very practical way of looking at it guys do we think China returning to the series is this going to be good for the sport Samantha I think it, absolutely. You know, we've got Nissan uh, getting involved in, in V8 supercars for the first time in 2013. And we all know that Nissan's got a, a huge following in some of those Asian countries. So to start to spread V8 supercars to that part of the world, I think, you know, it's not new. We have seen it a little bit in the past. But I do think that the timing of Nissan coming on board uh, in conjunction with a China return fits quite well. I am also very conscious of this whole argument about going overseas for the point of going overseas, and I certainly don't think that we should be compromising the sport and the quality of the sport to to simply go overseas because it is a very difficult exercise for the teams. The logistics of such thing and the costs involved are astronomical, but there is an opportunity to strengthen the fan base and strengthen, I suppose, the security of their supercars, not only in Australia but around the world, by by taking up some of these opportunities. Mm. Of course, uh, what will be interesting is that uh, perhaps before we get back to China, Lachlan, the enforcer won't be in the main game full-time. No, that's right, because uh, he's announced that next season is going to be his last season, that announcement being made um, <clears throat> on Tuesday at Queensland Raceway. Um, probably not too much of a surprise um, that an announcement was made, but yes, uh, next year will be Russ Lingle's last year. Just going back to the whole idea about China returning to the V8 supercar calendar, I think Samantha's raised a number of very valid points about why it's a good thing to have the V8 supercars in Asia. Not sure if China's the ideal location. I would have thought maybe somewhere like Japan or Korea might be a bit more suitable given the manufacturers that are coming into cars, particularly um, in Japan. Um, you know, there's a pretty good motorsport following over there and I think the V8 supercars would be quite popular if they were to race in Japan, especially with Nissan now in the series and uh, it would be good if we could get some Asian drivers to actually compete on the Gold Coast 600 as well and uh, just for example there's a very very good Formula 1 driver by the name of Kamui Kobayashi who's out of a driving Formula 1 for next season and I personally would love to see him behind the wheels of the V8 supercar Gold Coast 600. Don't tell him I said this but uh, James Moffat has got a touch of the Kobayashis in the uh, V8 supercar series and I'm looking forward to seeing how James goes in that Nissan, Samantha. 
He's James in the mission, is he? Well, wouldn't you find that an interesting? Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you find that a, an interesting scenario? Because he's not afraid to use what we colloquially call the chrome horn when uh, when it's required. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think James has certainly built himself a reputation for that. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I'm going to make much more of a comment on that one. <laughs> I, there's always a place where you get yourself into a jackpot, and that's why uh, sometimes it's fun to ask the wrong question at the right time. Lachlan, of course, there was some speculation. Now, this is where the one that Lachlan can't answer, but Sam, you can. Lachlan, there was some speculation that the Enforcer might have been in a little bit of trouble with re-signing this year. And uh, there was a few people eyeing off that... Uh, that third seek at Walkinshaw Racing, but uh, obviously he had the support of Super Cheap Auto, which eventually was a, a very big determining factor. Yeah, I'm going to let that one go straight through to the keeper, Craig. <laughs> Samantha? <laughs> Look, I think Russell Engel, uh, you know, all things aside in terms of Super Cheap Auto's involvement and the like, he actually did put on a pretty good show this year, and you know, as much as it really does pain me to say it, because I'm all for getting some, some young blood into the sport and starting to turn over some of these older drivers, he really did perform. And, you know, there was some certainly some younger drivers and probably some, some similarly, uh, I suppose, credentialed drivers that were potentially in the hot seat for his position. But with the way he, he finished up the year... You know, you've got to give him credit that he, he stuck it out and he's been able to pull the numbers together. I do think that it potentially it, it raises this question again of, of the restrictions that currently exist in V8 supercars and whether or not there are the opportunities for some of these young drivers to make that transition. You know, has Russell Engel been around long enough? I'm certainly not saying that that's the case. He certainly adds at the moment uh, a great personality to the sport, similarly with Greg Murphy, who at this stage is yet to lock in a full-time drive as well. So to lose either of those two guys, and certainly we know we're now going to lose Engel at the end of 2013, is going to be a sad time for the sport. But you know what we can hope at this stage is that we do have some not only talented drivers uh, up and coming, but also some interesting personalities that are going to keep the sport exciting. And that's the problem, isn't it? We don't have a lot of personalities. And and uh, I, Samantha will probably make the case to us, Lockie, that we don't even have any females in the top level of motorsport. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, you know, that's another valid point as well. Out of the young drivers who are coming up through the ranks, you would have to say that probably some of the most unique personalities of David Reynolds. He does have a very good sense of humor. He does um, always entertain the media, especially at post-race press conferences. Lockie, I'm going to look into my crystal ball and I am going to bet that in the next two shows after this one we rave about we rave about uh, David Reynolds as we focus on the uh, year that was. I've just got this feeling. All right. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll take your word for that one. Um, as far as the female drivers go, I mean, um, yeah, you know, Liad's had was sort of the one who was paving the way for female drivers there for quite a few years. Then we've got, you know, some other one, young ones like Smith. Uh, Lauren Gray would be another example. Then you've got the likes of um, Ab Radisson and even Patrick Watson, who, you know, they're, they're very promotable off the racetrack, but to, to be fair and to be perfectly honest, 
probably yet to demonstrate they've got the driving ability to perform at very top level of Australian motorsport. Mm. I, I have to ask, Samantha, you have a goal to get to V8 supercars. The Utes, where we saw Amber and we saw Haley, and I have to say, I can't remember the name of the sponsor, but it did look... Uh, it, it was great that they were sponsoring her, but gee, uh, so, some brands, I guess, you have to look at as what will that be in my reputation going forward? You make a very valid point, and it's something I've certainly taken very, very seriously in my career is making sure, I mean, we're, we all want to make it to Vert Supercars, and sponsorships are a very important part of, of that journey, but at the same time, are they someone that represents you and, and who you want to be in the future? Because... I'm certainly of the belief that with the wrong supporters behind you, that it might result in some short-term gains, but, you know, the long-term, it can be quite damaging. So, you know, as to either who the sponsors that supported those girls, you know, the one thing I can say is that good on them for, for getting out there. It's something that they certainly managed to do this year over myself, and they got to get some miles in, and I believe they probably delivered quite well for those sponsors in terms of that off-track exposure. As Lachlan said, they certainly offer something different off-track. But, uh, you know, for me, it's certainly something... I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I am very cautious of... Uh, and conscious, I should say, of, of who you're partnering with and what that says about you and, and where you want to go in the sport. And I think that for most of the drivers in Vert Supercars, it is something that's close to their heart. We all know that the best sponsorships and the best partnerships evolve from... The brands that where the athlete truly believes in the product and does endorse what that uh, the sponsor or the the partner is is doing and and what is in their business strategy as well. So, you know, as to what happens in terms of females in, in motorsport, I can't. You know, I really do think that they there's a spot for them. I think there's an opportunity for a female to to win the V8 Supercar Championship. I. Uh, Interestingly enough, I, having just said that, you know, I've been working very, very hard. I think I've actually got probably one of the the best fitness trainers down pit lane in Damien Prasad, uh, and it certainly we, he's done a lot of work in V8 supercars to look at some of the requirements of of a V8 supercar, and it was pretty eye opening for for myself at Homebush to see just how hard the guys did work in, in that temperature, and it's probably the first time I've ever looked at looked at them and gone that's going to be hard work no matter how hard I work at this, you know, it's doable and I'm always up for a challenge, but uh, that's certainly probably one of the most physical races I've, I've ever seen the guys enjoy, endure. And, you know, Rick Kelly is probably one of the fittest in pit lane. We talk about it a lot and Carl Reinlin nonetheless. And to see those two guys more or less on hands and knees after those hot days shows that there are some challenges for, for females in the sport but I think that they can be overcome and it's just a matter of time. You know, the more females we can get out there and participating, the more likely we are going to have someone who can prove that they've got the, the driving talent because realistically, uh, it doesn't matter how marketable they are off track, they do need to perform. Our, our sport has progressed to a level where performance, whilst it might only be sort of less than 10% of what the drivers do on a day-to-day -day basis, it is essentially the key to, to whether or not they're going to remain in the sport. So until we can can do that, and obviously I'd like to sit here and tell you that I'm the, the person for the job, that, uh, you know, until we can do that, we're certainly not going to see a female in the sport. Now, Lachlan, this is a little story I heard uh, uh, out of the AIS. They brought down uh, Damien Prasad 
and Samantha Reed to put the Cam's rookies through their paces at the AAS. One S. Reed wiped the floor with all the young men who were uh, at the AIS camp. So uh, there's there's nothing wrong with the fitness of Samantha Reed. Good on you, Samantha. <laughs> Good to see you taking the fight right up to the blokes. <laughs> it, I have to say that was uh, rather rewarding to see the look on some of their faces. They were rather quiet the next few days. I think they figured at that point they should start paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, Sam. I hope you didn't find the boo too... Uh, too nerve-wracking. No, absolutely not. Excellent uh, co I shouldn't really call you commentators, but uh, learn a few things off you two, and maybe I'll be back for another show in the future. We look forward to that. Lockie, I hope you have a great Christmas as well. Always a pleasure being on the show, Craig. Hope you have a great Christmas as well, and I'm off for a very well-deserved off-season break. Well, I look forward to hearing your stories from both of you when you return. After the break, we start a three-part interview with Roland Dane. I hope you'll stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, brought to you by Fujitsu, Australia's leading air, we kick off a three-part interview with Roland Dane. We started by congratulating him on another championship year. This week on the V8 Insiders, White Flag Lap, brought to you by Fujitsu, Australia's leading air. We catch up with the first of a three-part interview with Roland Dane. I started by congratulating him on an amazing era, the Vodafone years, and asked him if he's had time to reflect on the achievements of the team. Uh, you're always conscious of them. Uh, we've had six years with them. It's ended uh, last two years with uh, one, two, twice. Uh, Bathurst again this year, uh, winning, which is um, you know why I'm here, really. And uh, so we've been able to deliver... Uh, Vodafone four Bathurst wins out of six years. Uh, we've delivered them um, uh, four championships out of six years. Um, we've delivered them I don't know how many race wins I can't remember at the moment, um, but an outstanding record. I'm very proud of what we've done for uh, for them during our relationship. They've done a great deal for us. They've put an awful lot of money and credibility into the sport. Um, they've done some great activations. Uh, they're great people, um, and uh, frankly, they've been uh, the uh, preeminent sponsor of the last six years. And now I hope we're going to enter a new phase with another great sponsor for next year. People talk about taking your eye off the ball, and some people don't like doing the activations that you've participated in because they take focus away. You've actually embraced them and had a, uh, a very positive um, positive approach to these things. How important is being that positive towards your sponsor pay off in the longer term? Uh, I mean, clearly, I think um, our track record and sponsorship land speaks for itself. Uh, and, um, yeah, we've got great sponsors, um, not only Vodafone, but, for instance, Holden, 
have been fantastic supporters of us the uh, last three years and ongoing into the future. Um, the, uh, the key to it is that we try and, as you say, embrace the plans that they come up with. Some of them are very wacky. Some of them need a little bit of a tune-up. But we've had some quite exceptional activations over the years with Vodafone. Uh, clearly, you know, things like being able to take a Formula One car to Bathurst um, and put a Formula One world champion in one of our cars. Things like the, um, the Townsville uh, activation around the um, around the camo livery and the uh, and the gecko charity there were quite outstanding. Um, those sort of things, uh, at, you know, culminating in this weekend when we when we rolled out with a different livery to say goodbye to a great sponsor, they made me very proud of uh, the team, uh, very proud of our relationship with um, a great group of people at Vodafone. Um, and and our ability to uh, to yeah to try and do the best by the by the partners that we have commercially, you know whether it's uh, the super big ones like Vodafone and Holden or it's the uh, or it's the the, uh, the smaller ones like um, Maverick or Hogsbreath or or Norton um, and those people that we've had great runs with. You um, now moving to the Vodaf- uh, to the Red Bulls phase but before you do what do you do because i know you are interested in history and legacy and and those sorts of things what do you do to preserve the legacy of this period uh, not just for yourselves but for the public uh, look um the uh vodafone with the first would be the first people to acknowledge that yeah the real history and the real legacy rests with triple eight race engineering um, they've been a partner of ours for six years and a part of that, um, but Triple Eight Race Engineering carries on, and uh, and you know is the is the backbone of the Red Bull era, um, and <laughs> going for going forward, uh, and um, so it isn't a question of preserving it. History is history; it is what it is. Uh, today we you know we'll move on uh, from an incredible chapter in, in our history and and hopefully they've had good value on it but yeah they know now Vodafone know going into next year that that's behind them and it's behind us um, you you see the history of uh, some of the great uh, iconic cars of Australian motorsport preserved over over the last 50 years whether it's you know true blue or, or whether it's Marlborough or or, uh, or Winfield or whatever um, you know our cars will be preserved in there in their livery at some stage um uh, jamie's going to to he's buying his car and keeping it and i'm sure yeah that uh that place in history for team vodafone will will be preserved but it is at the end of the day we're a dynamic company and we'll move forward and, and vodafone, team vodafone becomes history on the 31st of december my thanks to Roland Dane there, also to Sam Reed and Lachlan Mansell. As the chicken flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.